The first game of the season is in the books, and as the Union finished last year, they pick up right in game one this season, a 4-1 to win against the Columbus Crew. You're tuned in to the Philadelphia Union Soccer Podcast right here on the Philadelphia Union or the unionsoccerblog.substack.com, but you were tuned in to the Union Soccer Podcast. My name is John Jansen. Follow me at jjansen34 and the star of the program and the guy who does it all at the Union Soccer Blog. It is Joe Tanzi at jtanzi90. We'll get into the game. We'll look ahead to what the Union have for March. It is a big march for the Philadelphia Union. There's no settling in here. Union Basically, from the start, it's go time, and March certainly is one of those. And, of course, we'll take your questions as well. But spoiler alert, they're all about substitutions, so we're going to be talking a lot about that here <laughs> on the show. Uh, but, Joe, Union, it's the same. <laughs> and they have the same players. And a few new wrinkles, obviously. We'll get to some of those. Uh, but it's a 4-1 victory at Subaru Park, and I, it's same thing. They start off a little slow. They get going in the second half, and then they end up blowing out their opponent. You absolutely crushed that intro, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I was I was waiting for you to land the plane. I'm. I, I we're recording this before noon, so we have all the excuses in the world. Oh yeah, I have. Well, I have like, excuses hey, all. The if time. we mess up, we mess up. If I get somebody's yeah, name wrong, if I mess wrong, up, I'm why. just an idiot. Um. Yeah, look, the union of the union. Um, it's kind of nothing nothing new, right, from what we've talked about uh, the past 12 months about this team. Um, the goal they concede is an own goal. And if you look if you look back on the, the tape, it literally takes, like, the slightest deflection off of, like, Jacob Lesses's, the either the back of the foot or his heel. Like, it's a very small deflection. And other than that, in line, but from a union perspective, man, like I think that the, the first guy's deck penalty was huge for them. They might not admit it, but I think that was huge for them to go in 1-1 at halftime. There's less pressure on them, and they could play more free. Do I think they still come back and win that game? Yes, because they did make the, the proper. But uh, once that, that God's deck penalty went in right before halftime, you, you kind of felt, okay, things are okay. They're going to end up winning this game, which they did. Yeah. And uh, of course, I think this happened last year as well. You know, we kind of talked about this. You know, the, the union did have a little bit of luck along the way, right? Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's okay to, to say that every team is going to have to have that. Every good team gets it. Look, Tom Brady has been lucky his entire career in the NFL. Like there's always luck involved. Patrick Mahomes yeah. has had luck in his two Super Bowls. It happens. Uh, but I think the union, what they do so well with that is they always get themselves in positions to be a little bit lucky. And also they take advantage of it when it comes their way. And this is one where I think they got a little bit lucky to get that first handball. I don't think it was a handball. It was very close. Uh, I don't know how he could have moved his hand arm in a more natural position to get out of the way. Uh, There was just really no avoiding that. And I think it's a larger discussion of handballs uh, in soccer and especially MLS, but the union take advantage of it. And I think that's just that that's what a good team does. It's not that do, when they get lucky, you know, do they squander those opportunities? No, it's just they, every opportunity that comes their way, they take full advantage of it. And so, yes, the handball I think was lucky, but ultimately Gazdag still has to put one in the back of the net. And he did that twice. Yeah. And I think from a, a personal standpoint as well with Daniel Gazdag, um, that first seeing that first penalty roll in was, a nice little confidence boost. 
Um, not that he needs it, one. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't like, think it was a confidence boost for him. Was it a confidence boost for us? Because we watched him, obviously, the penalty kicks uh, in the MLS Cup final, and he completely slips and falls. Well, here's, and this here's guy that was way, automatic all of a sudden wasn't. Here's the way I'll put it. Um, we've seen many athletes. You name the sport, you name the, the player, where it does come back to affect them. And if he misses that first penalty, what are we going to do the entire game and, and post game? We're going to ask, oh, is Daniel Gazdag affected by his his PK miss three months ago? Because you know that was that was the thing that was running across yeah. my mind of like, oh man, if he misses this, do we have do we have a case of the yips already for Gazdag? Yeah, but, and and I mean <laughs> that look, was abs- that was absolutely running through my mind during that first and, and look through past years i mean if you're an og union fan this has been a discussion for quite literally every year up until last year who is the penalty taker and it rotated jim Curtin's line was he would always let the players decide on the field uh which a lot of people uh tended to disagree with uh, myself included you got to have one one spot taker and and that's it uh, and they have that in Gosdeck now. But yeah, I mean, you're lying to yourself if in the moment you didn't think. Oh, yeah. No, I won't even lie. I, yeah. I won't lie about it. I love Gosdeck yeah. and I'm confident always. But that first one, yeah, a little, a little mm-hmm. tight. I'll, I'll tell the, you that. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the second one. Oh, yeah, well, it's fine. The, se- the second one, not so much, but like the first one. Yeah. You want the first one in. You want that. Okay. He's over it. It's a new season. That, and that to me really speaks of okay it's a clean slate like just it's in the past as heartbreaking as it was it's in the past this is is 2023 everything and we don't have to sit here and say well is daniel gazdag you know enter enter your line there um that any talk show host would would use about uh his mental state going into uh, penalty kicks. The yips, baby. I can't. I. I was already. I was already seeing the headlines. Gazdag. I. I made a Move joke in the press PKs. box after the first PK. I was like, "Are we? Are we writing the Daniel Gazdag, uh, penalty kick redemption story?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, there, certainly, there it's it's one of those. Um, yeah, there isn't much behind it at, at no. the end of the day because. He's not going to say much because he didn't say, yeah. because he didn't yeah. make that part of the the story. Yeah, it, it became basically this game became a oh yeah the union are the exact same team and they picked up where they left off and they did the exact same things that they did last season. Like Joe, this isn't four to one in a game like this. That's mm-hmm. not easy to do. And I I think what was really cool to see was the union end up winning that game with relative ease. Obviously, a little bit yeah. close in the beginning, uh, but at the end of the day, four one is still four one. And then we see often FC at home taking on a brand new team in St. Louis city. And they dropped not only points, they dropped the entire game to St. Louis. Like it is not easy to be as good and as consistent as the union are at home. And now in a completely new season after just losing the MLS cup final a couple months ago, and they just pick back up and to be that dominant again, you know, I I get, I don't know what it's going to be like for the rest of the season, but to just pick it up game one like that when, you know, it's it's not that easy to do in MLS and we know how crazy things can get. This mm-hmm. is a league we talk about, you know, all the variants and all the, the crazy results and the union just don't have them at Subaru Park. 
I agree with your point about 90% of it. The only thing I'll say about the Austin comparison is Austin had a tendency last year to go down early and Dreyusi's big season kind of masked yep. a lot, a lot of that. Which he now, also picked up where he left off because he played. Well. Correct. Now, <laughs> that being said, Austin should have beaten expansion team at home in the, in the expansion team's first game, regardless of what St. Louis uh, was feeling emotionally or not and playing with no fear, all that kind of stuff. Austin should, should win that game. So yeah, I, I agree with you pretty much down to the, the T there, but it, it is worth noting that right. Austin wasn't the, uh, the most perfect team and some of those flaws could be, you know, even further exposed, but yeah, I mean, look, if you look the big picture here across MLS and in week one, and you go through these results real quick. So Nashville beats NYC. That's, we all expected that to happen. I'm sorry, honey. Mukhtar started on the bench for your, your betting pick. <laughs> our, our picks <laughs> because look you went, great, and we'll get to that when we do betting it later in the week. But our picks did great, you except for goal to, scores. You could pick one that would be on the damn pitch. So here, here's what happened, and we'll get more into this when we do the, the betting preview later in the week. But, like, Ugh. you and I both picked Vela because he's the all-time leading goal scorer in El Trafico. Like, oh, this is the easy pick that game breeds goals. Game gets postponed. So then I show up in the studio Saturday morning, and we're doing Villanova together. And I'm like, hey, I need a new goal scorer from you. So like, Mukhtar seems like a very easy choice for week one. He starts on the bench. And then I pick Insignia, and Insignia goes off in like the 33rd minute with an injury. So it's like... And of course, sitting right there for me, as I always pick, is Daniel Gosnag. Plus money still yeah. to score an anytime goal, and he scores two of them. So, so to, to go Lesson big, picture, big picture here, and, and look, I didn't watch all of the games on Saturday. I did watch the Seattle game and, and the Portland game. And I wish I got those two hours of my life back last night. Saturday was Kansas fun. Game. I, I got the, and uh, I guess I get now that we're going into the Saturday games a little bit, there's more to talk about mm-hmm. with the union, but since we're here yeah. in this space, um, I, I thought Apple on, TV well yeah. done. I thought Apple TV was incredible. Uh, this, the, the, the game mm-hmm. broadcasts were clean, obviously some small kinks. I think to work through, I think the union game in particular, uh, missed a few plays. Like there were shots on goal that you didn't see. You just heard the announcers talk about, uh, while they were in a replay. So things, things like that, you know, tighten up a little bit, but overall announcers are all great. The broadcasts are really clean. I love the MLS 360 kind of whip around show, uh, all of it. And then of course the action itself, Atlanta United, uh, and San Jose, that was an awesome game with Almada scoring two goals in extra mm-hmm. time. So, um, or stoppage time, but it's, it's just a, a great weekend of soccer, really good games. Austin and St. Louis was, uh, that was something nobody expected. And it was an mm-hmm. incredible game to watch that play out, but I'll start off with this applaud. I will applaud Apple TV. Cause I thought, you know, first weekend of MLS and I think they did a tremendous job. It all looked yeah. really good. Yes, and I, I tweeted it and I said, you know, the fact that this amount of care is going into it is amazing. I have two complaints, and they're kind of small in the grand scheme of things. One, so I turned in, I tuned in Saturday night, like late while I was writing after the Vancouver RSL game, and it's it's Twelman, um, and I forget who else was on the the this panel of the the wrap up show, and for like a good five minutes. They're like, oh, what's the, what was your, they're talking about the benefits of, of season pass. And all I heard for five minutes, granted, this was the five minutes I tuned into before I turned right. it off, was them praising the uniform kickoff times. 
at how great it is for MLS and all this and all that. <laughs> right, and nobody felt, wants to it, hear that. But the it, thing is, it I, felt, I, it felt like the propaganda machine was out a little too much on how yeah, awesome so Apple I, was. I, I get that, and I completely agree with you, but I understood it because they made this free for one week, and this was basically this weekend. I think this is a this weekend issue only because mm-hmm. they are trying to sell because this it was free this weekend, and they're trying to sell. This is what it's going to be. These are all the great things about what we did today and all the coverage you can get. It really mm-hmm. – this, this weekend was an advertisement. It was just mm-hmm. one big – and look, it worked to great effect because I thought they had great games. Broadcasts are great. But yeah, I I did think that was an issue, but I only think it's that's going to be for just an isolated incident kind of Which is fair. First weekend. And the second complaint I had is I watched the Seattle-Colorado game. I could have watched that game on mute. Whoever was was broadcasting got names wrong continuously. Oh no, they were getting names wrong? Like there was one, there was one in particular. They were doing the was, old John Jansen. Ah, uh-huh, can't do that. <laughs> it was one of those things where the it was an offside goal, and they're like convinced that Aber was the the score of the goal when it was like clearly I think it was Christian Roldan, but it was clearly not Aber. And they're just like going on hammering home the point, and then in the highlight package that they they keep saying it. Um. So yeah, I was not a fan of the Seattle Colorado broadcast. Uh, maybe that's a, a week one thing where no, again, this is this things. is without knowing who broadcasted that and their prior affiliations, but that seems like one of the issues. And look, I, I don't think it'll be an issue. Like these guys are pro broadcasters. Yeah. So I don't think this is going to happen often, but that's one of the very few. Hey, these guys are national broadcasters and they're not mm-hmm. affiliated with these teams and they don't know these teams as well as you would get from regional broadcasts. Um, and look, that's looking into mm-hmm. a very smaller, like the guy just got the name yeah. wrong and didn't see it correctly. Um, yeah. But that my, could, my, my issue was a, it, a smaller issue of just my issue was it kept like doubling down. I'm like, oh, yeah, hey, just, just, just correct yourself. <laughs> hey, just correct you yourself. Know, and if, move if you're on. that confident, just say the name confidently yeah. and nobody will think you're wrong. Right. And my, yeah. my other thing of watching now, I will preface this by saying I only watched on Apple the Seattle, Colorado game and the Portland, Kansas City game, um, which three of the four teams in those games played like crap. Um, <laughs> so I, I really got, I mean, Portland I really the, uh, and Kansas city, the goal in the sixth minute. Are, and that's yeah. it. That's all you got. Yeah. And then I don't, I don't think Portland had a shot after that. Um, what I no, will say actually is, Kansas city should have scored probably a few goals. Kansas city should, Kansas city should have won that game. I'm not saying that because I bet Kansas city. I'm saying that because no, Kansas I'm saying city, that because like, I watched the game and I saw so team. many golden opportunities, but, but they, all they did, all they did was just lump crosses in the box and hope somebody would get, on onto the back of it. They wow, didn't. it sounds like a union team a few years. I, I've yeah, I've watched <laughs> the same script happen, and that this will long sounds winding like a way. Twenty twenty Philadelphia union. union team. No, 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 no. Twenty right? like sixteen. My friend. <laughs> <laughs> this is long before you were on this on this beat, my friend. I've seen plenty of performances like that. Um, the other thing I will have a small critique on is if you're investing this much money and you're going to have the personalities in the studio do not have the game broadcast crew go through halftime and post-game highlights. Yeah. Even if it's a two-person desk and I I don't care who the analysts are, but if you're going to present this professionally, um, don't do what Fox has done. Don't do what ESPN uh, has done at times. Just give me two guys on a desk sitting in front of me for the 10 minute halftime and maybe like a 10 or 15 minute post game. 
Because if you're gonna if you're gonna commit and go all in, go all in on every game, because the, these these play by play guys and color analysts they're not watching every game like the studio hosts are. No, I feel like if if we're gonna nitpick and again these are small complaints, um, that's the thing. The other thing with the and I've I've seen a lot of people ask about Apple and like, well, what are they gonna do to go after the the casual fan? They're not. They're absolutely not going after the casual fan here. No, because the casual uh, fan is not paying ninety nine. Correct. Like I, I want this to be to be clear, and I don't know if other people have said this before, but like, look at what they're trying to do. the The ratings were garbage, and if you're Don Garber and the higher ups at MLS each week, it's got to be humiliating when you see all these ratings come in for what you think are are big games and no one's paying attention to you on ESPN yeah, or what Fox. Are we, what are we live golf? Come on, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Live golf. I think put even like lower ratings than MLS. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, live golf is bad. Um, but like now you don't have ratings. Now you don't have a, a Nielsen box anywhere in, you know, any name, your random state, random town. You just have Apple and you have the, the diehards and, I guess that's why they're doing these free games to try and entice people in each week, but they're not here for Jim from the Northeast who watches every Phillies game religiously. They're not here for him. They're here for the, the diehards. Uh, You hope to pick up those types of fans along the way. But I think initially, I think we have to get it out of our heads that MLS is aiming for new fans and aiming for the people that may not watch soccer like that, that's not what this deal is about at least what it seems to me is this is about finally giving mls fans the product they want and the product they deserve frankly and i was mentioning this in the conversations i had in, in the press box on on saturday is everything you're seeing right now from from mls whether it be the the game production you know the the whip around shows the studio shows and the content you see on apple tv from each team each week i understand this is this is awesome it's exactly what we we deserve but this is what every other major sports league already does like this is like the bare minimum for the nfl the nba the nhl mlb like Every I have the, the ginormo, humongous Xfinity sports package. Every network, college, pro, that's specific to a league, already has a, a, a pregame, postgame, halftime, dedicated studio show. They already have all of these team video. Like, go to the, go to the Sixers social media, for example. They do a great job where they have one of their in-house reporters with – a player may not be Joel Embiid, but you see George Niang, you see somebody and there's, there's content and it's good content. And that's what MLS has been missing across the board. Now there are some teams that were better than others before the Apple deal, but like what you're seeing now, I know we're oohed and odd and, and everything. And it's fantastic, but it's also should have been the standard five to 10 years ago for MLS in terms of, how these teams get covered and how they're appreciated. I'm glad we're finally doing it. And I'm glad we're bringing it up to the standard it deserves. 
but in the back of my mind, it's also like, well, all these teams are now required to do it. And the only reason you're getting content from all 29 teams in one spot on Apple TV is because now they're required to do it. They weren't doing it by choice, at least not all 29 or 28 and whatever number it has been in previous years. The union have done a pretty good job at it, but I can't say it's been great across the board. So I think raising the standard within the league is great because now we get to see all of these things and it, it treats it like a major league. That's what Apple is going to do for MLS casual fans or not for the people that do care about it and watch it. It's, it's treated like it's an actual league now. And I think that's what is going to matter the most to MLS fans and to the casual, the casuals that tune in. It's not just uh, Rob Stone in front of, uh, in, on a small desk in the Fox studio that's like buried, you know, in, in basically what looks like the closet of the NFL studio. You're not, you're like, <laughs> no, you're not getting it. Yeah. You're not getting it. You're getting an actual. No, the studio. set looked great. I thought, was, everything, yeah. I thought everything looked good. The production of it looked great. So, yeah, I think that's. I and what they also nailed, plus. because I, I think MLS kind of, look, you're not comparing the ratings and the amount of people watching, but what MLS can do that something like Major League Baseball can and NBA can, like I know they have their days, like college basketball Saturdays are big, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. But the fact that MLS Saturdays are the big days, and then, of course, you're going to have some midweek games here and there, but you can capitalize on one day of the week where it's this all-day event, and you just basically sit down, tune into MLS, and don't switch anything off. You know, I, I think that's that that is something that MLS can capitalize on, and it's all part of. You know, I I think it's a very watchable product. I thought all the games again. I thought you know Saturday was a ton of fun. Uh, so the games were great. Again, just I, I know from my viewing experience, just sitting there, I could tune into the Union game. I could go to the whip around when I wanted to, and all of that. Mm-hmm. And it it felt like it capitalized. And obviously, MLS is very structured their schedule that they can really provide a great game day, like a great match day of here's Saturday's games, you know, 430 game early on. And then you get the big slate and it's going over all these coverages and all these things are happening at once. And then you have all these games going into extra time. And it's, it's like the witching hour for red zone uh, that's happening. It's, I thought it really nailed that aspect of, Hey, this is just an entire game day and, and covering basically everything that's happening around that. And that's something that, Again, things like Major League Baseball, yeah, sure, Sundays are a really big like afternoon slate for baseball mm-hmm. and they can do. But come on, man, that's because like we're also watching games every single day of the week and the same with the NBA. MLS can really just capitalize off of, like, hey, here's the one big day that you could tune in and see all of it and just make it a part of your day. Like I don't know, it's it's something that definitely it, it definitely is more heightened by having a subscription service like this where it's all mm-hmm. on one area and you have yeah. even one thing dedicated specifically just to go around to all these games i wish it was more like red zone it's more just a whip around and they're talking uh over you know all the all of what's happening and i i kind of wish it was again more like red zone but i i guess that's something that really is a little bit too i think specific and maybe it helps having all the studio analysts and talking games because the reaction to the almada goal was a ton of fun but yeah it's just having all all of this in one stream one area and there's one game day, really big day. It's just, 
I think it helps out a lot for making this product easy. So I know what time to step in, uh, know what time to, to sign into Apple mm-hmm. TV to watch it and to sit down and know this is going to be the rest of my day. I, yeah. I and look, and, and they'll find balance and they will. Uh, that's why I'm like, if, if I'm picking out little things on, and they're just things that I point out, maybe the other people, other people don't like they'll find the balance they'll find it right they got good people working like that's that's not a an issue so i think to me if if those are all the issues i come away from week one uh, i think they're doing a a pretty good job yeah um all right let's get back to the union game because there's still more to talk about from there uh is it funny that the first goal allowed by the union this year was deflected off in an own goal off of their defender of the year Yes. Is there any humor? <laughs> because I found that ridiculously funny. The the first half was, uh, it was week one. The first half was such a, a week one performance from everyone involved at Hurt. Like, uh, there's so many offside calls on the union. Uh, there's fouls left and right. Uh, the referee is drawing the... Um, frustration of not just the union but the crew as well uh you have an own goal and you have a a penalty kick as the goals it was just a it was something i'll tell you that for (laughs) for week one uh it was kind of fitting and look i i think you can argue that the the two penalties if if we're going to open it up to discussion um I know listening back to the highlights, you know, Danny Higginbotham, who I, I, I respect is one of the, the uh, premier kind of analysts, not just MLS, but as well. And, and he's disagreeing with them. Um, Both of them. And I yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, they look, look, they were kind of ticky tack. Um, but if you're going to, here, here's all I'll say. If you're going to enforce the rules of the game properly, then you can give both, but don't be surprised then where, you know, we're getting to game like 16 or 17 and the calls end up balancing out a little bit because they, they will. It's going and, to, yeah. yeah. And Jim Curtin mentioned that last year. He's like, look, I mean, look at how many type of fluky goals were, were scoring. And look, they, they scored a ton on their own, but the, the Charlotte goal, um, there was like a backwards pass. I think Eloy Room had a, a really bad error in front of the River End as well for Columbus last year. So like they're, I'm not saying the Union are, are completely lucky. That would be no, but there's there is going me, to be luck like, involved. That yeah. is part of the variance of soccer in general, but especially in MLS, there is mm-hmm. a lot of luck involved, a lot of variance with this. The good thing for the Union though is that they stay consistent and they capitalize whenever these chances Correct. are given. So that's the sign of a, of a good team because even bad teams are going to get lucky. It's just that most of the time they don't do anything with it or they can't do anything with it. And it's also the, the union, not only so look, there are some teams that will tie the game at halftime. And then they're like, they can't find the answer because they got a, a penalty. Like I'll, I'll, I'll use this as an example because it's the game I've, I watched in full on, on Monday night. So the Portland, Kansas city game. So Portland goes up one, nothing. And you think, okay, this is, it, it was kind of a, a bad break for Kansas city because it, it was, it's a weird play because the defender, I think it was Ben sweat ends up keeping the ball in play, which he shouldn't have done. 
And then because he's so far removed from the play, he's keeping Mascara on side. He scores through the, the goalkeeper's hands. And then Kansas City's out here chasing. I could make a very strong case. Kansas City was the better team for 80 minutes, but they couldn't convert on any chances. And I couldn't help but think comparing that to what the, the union have done through the last, you know, through 2022 and then the first game of 2023 is when they have the momentum of the game, when they have chances, they take advantage of it. So I think watching that game last night and then comparing it directly to the union, and that's what makes, to use Jim Curtin's line, to make you good or to make you great and not good, that's the difference. The union being able to pounce and score four goals in a game against the crew who they're going to be top five in the East. Jim Curtin said they're going to be a really good team. They have the look of a team. They have two stars in Zellerron and, and Cucho. They didn't have their first choice goalkeeper available because he was dealing with green card issues. Um, and, and Nagby is Nagby. Like him or not, he's, he's going to be the consistent metronome in, in that midfield. So they're going to be good. And to beat them 4-1 and pretty cohesively, in the second half uh, speaks to just how ridiculously high of a level the union are. And then, Oh, by the way, they add a, they add a Joaquin Torres to the mix. And I still, you know, it's, it's 11 AM on Tuesday morning. And I still have people uh, in my Twitter mentions retweeting the videos of, of Joaquin Torres because they were so amazed uh, with what he did had to be. First few touches. That was, that was electric. Like that wasn't just a few touches and like, Oh, some flash. That was, playmaking ability off the bench that yeah. was just like we don't we don't the union don't have a player like that we don't see that often from union players and like i think your comparisons to el senio you know that kind of you know dribbling kind of quick twitchy guy union usually don't have that it was el senio and now they do with torres and for him not only to like make those spin moves but also the pass and to not only to turn that into like playmaking ability and an actual goal mm-hmm. that is Awesome. And that's something that's going to be, I think, pivotal off the bench. And Torres is already, you know, I know we were talking about him as potentially one that can make his presence known, but to, for already in game one to make that kind of play, you know, that's very, very promising. I mean, I, I the comparisons are are so similar. I get it. And I, I wrote about this Saturday night because I'm trying to trying to be fair to Joaquin Torres. <laughs> No, because no, it's his <laughs> fault. You do, you do cool stuff like that. We're going to make these stupid comparisons. I'll be honest. It's going to be, I see. It's hard for me to, to use the phrase better than El Senio because Whoa. El Senio. Whoa, was, I didn't know we were going there. Whoa. Well, uh, oh, I'm going to add context to it because please, it's, please just say, yeah, hurry up with that. <laughs> so, what we had with Vilcino, and I kind of tried to write my immediate thoughts on this on Saturday night, was Vilcino was a one-trick pony. He's a very good one-trick pony. Probably you could say a great one-trick pony. He'd come off the bench, he'd do some cool stuff, and he would be the difference maker for the union. But where would he reside? The right side of the field, and that's it. Barely would, barely would become central, and the only time he would go, go central is when the union were discombobulated out of position. With Joaquin Torres, not only do you have 
a starting caliber player who's younger, but you have one who's versatile. So the obvious comparison is to Il Senior because he is the best. Uh, this is these are Jim Curtin's words. One of the best one v one guys they've ever had, and they lacked that when Il Senior left and retired. So. Yes, it's the same, but it's also different. It's also going to bring a, a completely different dimension. And I guess this is where we get into the, the three or four questions we've had about rotation and, and moving into, into Miami. But you have a player who can do this in the middle of the field. He can be out on the wing. He can, he can do so many different things in so many different parts of the field where I think his role is obviously going to be greater than Ilsenio's was um, strictly in terms of minutes and in, in where he is on the pitch. But I get it. I get the comparisons. I understand it, but it's the same, but it's not the same at the same time. Yeah. I just like dribbly boy that can do a little spinny moves. That's my analysis. <laughs> like that's, that's really it. I got that from, uh, what is it, Matt Doyle? He's like, oh, Union got themselves a little dribbly boy. I'm like, that is fantastic. <laughs> like, yes, they do. <laughs> and the fact that I can just say dribbly boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's different. Obviously, yeah, there, there are d- big differences. But from what you saw there, um, what is this fit? Because that was pretty awesome that he just came in for Uwa and mm-hmm. Columbus is gassed and he's just – spinning circles around these guys and here's Carranza for his wide open second goal of the game. You know, that's, I, I guess, where does he fit really more? I'm sure he's going to have to start some games, you know, with the oh, amount will. of games that the union are playing, he's going to start. But when it comes to his role here, Joe and Torres, I, I get, he's going to have to start, but he seems to fit that really good last, you know, 25 minutes of a game everybody's gassed and he's burning people. Just kind of what, what do you see now after seeing that display, which is great, where that fit is. Obviously he's going to have to start because of the schedule, but just fit in terms of when you are in a big game and they need to use, you know, players like Torres, what does that utilization look like? Because from what I saw, it's man, if a team's gassed, he's the guy that's going to cause so many disruptions at the end of games. Yeah. So I think it's important to note, he came on as a, as the second striker in Ua's role. Um, it was a straight like for like um, when he came on. I know some people were, were like, oh, are they going to play two tens with him in Gazdag? Is that, you know, what's going to be the formation? At least for starters, um, it was like for like. And the way the positioning that Torres had in, in, in his part of the field on the, the Carranza goal um, is where Ua would most likely be. And I'm working on something on Ua, excuse me, and his movements. And, and defensive actions and stuff like that for the for the sub stack this week, um, but yeah, that that's kind of the position that that Ua could be in. So uh, that's um, that's a start. But like, I, here's the thing: when you have a a four one lead now and you have 15 minutes left and you're, you're bringing on a handful of guys, you're really not going to find a a defined role with Joaquin Torres in that that small sample size. Uh, what you're going to have to figure out is over a, a larger sample size, and we probably get this with Champions League mixed into everything this week, 
Um, how does that work? So the, the answer is it's undefined as of week one, but you don't want it to be defined in week one either. You want it to be organic and the coaching staff has said, you know, here, here's all the different ways we can play and it's possible, but they've tried some of it in preseason, but yeah, we're not going to know where he's best in the, in this lineup until we actually get a larger sample size. And that's the same thing for all of the other guys that are coming off the bench as well. All right. Let's get into the substitutes. Cause this goes into a lot of the questions that yeah. we got. Um, one of them from Marcus. It was surprising to me that Jim did not make a substitution in his normal 60 minute window. Uh, then we got, what's the reasonable expectation for somebody like Nelson Pierre. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, substitution than any chance we see some rotation in the next few games. Obviously, we got a big, big mm-hmm. March slate for the Union coming up six games in total. And I think that's one of the actually their busiest months of the season. So a busy one coming up. So it's not, hey, get settled in. Let's just ease our guys into this. Uh, it's very fast, very, uh, very much going to be a, a long, enduring schedule here in March. Mm-hmm. So I'll start off with that. What are the rotations, especially talking about this game on Saturday? Uh, on the road against Inter-Miami. What do the rotations start to look like early on here? Because right after that game Saturday, they turn around March 7th and they're in a CONCACAF Champions League game. So I'll echo what Jim Curtin has said for years now. It's the third game in the three game in a week span where the changes usually get made, where um, – there's a little more. Variance. So you're telling me they get to unleash Torres a lot more on Chicago. <laughs> and, and Super I would Park, March 11th. Mark your calendars. Yeah. Torres starting three goals. So here's Chicago. here's what I would say. First and first and foremost, I know I said this last week, but the union got a a big old gift bag from Major League Soccer scheduling office for them to play in Miami on Saturday before going into Central America to play in Champions League. I think that's a, a big thing to note. Um, it's definitely not insignificant. Uh, they could have just randomly played in Chicago or somewhere else, or maybe even at home where they would have had more flight time. Uh, they don't here. So I think that is just a small thing to note, but in terms of details, in terms of traveling and, and the wear on these players' bodies early on, you don't want them to play – 60 or so minutes, 90 minutes, whatever in week two, and then have to hop on a five, six hour, you know, plane from, from Philly or from, you know, God knows where in, in the U S or Canada. So I think that's a, a nice little helper they got there. Now here's what, here's what I, I think here. It's week two. It's not week 22. You're still building these guys up and they're fresh you don't want to rotate your squad for the Miami game and then just be like, okay, we're going to go on the road at Alianza and all of you guys are playing your, your second game of the season. Like I think, and, and I know Jim's kind of poo pooed the term rotation over the past few years as well. And uh, look, probably he, guys, probably cause he gets tired of answering those questions. Yeah. Well, <laughs> The thing, the thing is, like, we ask him the same question, but like, he's given very definitive answers on rotation. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. But yet, we still feel the need to ask him the same 
questions each week when there's you know three games in, in eight days uh, or seven days. But what essentially what the the data speaks and this is a, a very heavily analytically driven team is three to four changes max. And even when you make that fourth change, the data starts to suggest a drop off. So I, I don't foresee a lot of change going into Miami. I think you're you're going to see the exact same starting eleven. Now where you'll see the change is I think he'll end up making a few substitutions, say around that normal 60th, 65th minute window. I think in, in this game, it's, it's the opening game of the season. You're not worried about rotating guys and, and whose legs aren't under the, or who, whose legs are, aren't fresh anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, who, won't, it, who won't be fresh yeah. on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So I think that, game. I think there's, there's no reason to concern about substitution patterns in week one, because these guys are still all fresh from, from preseason. Yeah. Look, um, I, I think from what you're saying, and I think it, it's probably going to be that way, really that Saturday game against Chicago, it's a home game against Chicago, which Chicago is still not very good. And correct. that's your third game in a week. So if there's really any changes, that would be the one, but I don't think it'd be yeah anytime soon. And also I think it's important to note that the, the, the changes for that game could also be dictated on the results against Alianza. Yeah, because if you go on the road and you say say you win two to one, well, okay, you feel you don't feel a hundred percent comfortable, but you feel a little more comfortable. Maybe you can play these guys. It's also worth noting there's four days in between the Alianza game and the home game against Chicago, and then the second leg against Alianza is at home. So in terms of the wear and tear on these guys' bodies they're actually getting a pretty decent draw here with playing in Miami, then going to a road game against Alianza with a shorter travel coming back home with four days rest for an MLS regular season game and then staying at home. So look, I think even if we were to expand on this even further, they might even want to punt the Montreal game in two weeks on the 18th. Cause that's a road game. And it comes after this, this string of games. So maybe that's where the rotation comes because you still want these guys to be fresh. And, I, and when I mean rotation, I mean like the starting lineup. I think you'll still see the, you're, you'll start to see, excuse me, the, the regular sub patterns, more minutes for the guys in the midfield, more minutes for Torres, more minutes for Quinn Sullivan, heck, even for, for Damian Lowe. I could see like a, a 60th minute center back switch um, of some sort, but yeah, it, basing this off of the trends of the manager, I think, I think the game you should really look for rotation is the Montreal game in, in three weeks, because you're at the end of the champions league stretch. It's an away game. So you're not expected to, to win that game. Whereas the Chicago game at home, you are expected to win. And by that time, maybe some of these guys become a little less fresh. Um, that game is inside in the Olympic Stadium, which I believe is still turf. That's another kind of drawback. You don't there we start, go. Let's start talking like, fields, baby. Let's start like talking fields. If you really want to get into the in-depth kind of planning of, of how March may go, I'd circle Montreal as the, the real squad rotation game because of all of the factors involved here. I think in terms of scheduling, they caught a fantastic break. 
over the next two weeks where they can at least be at home before the second leg and they're in Miami before the first leg. I'm not saying – I think the 11 will stay as much of the same as it can. And I think maybe the Montreal game is where you implement, say, a, a more defensive type mindset. And maybe that's a game where you have Bueno, McGinn, McGlynn, Perea, um, maybe, maybe give Sullivan a – you know, I'm, I'm kind of just – throwing out a, a potential for that game. And we'll get into that in, when it gets closer. But I think that's the game where it, you see a, a, maybe a, a funky formation or a more defensive-minded formation. Be like, Because Jim has said in preseason, uh, there are going to be different lineups for different situations. One of them being trying to grind out a point on the road. One of them being hammering a team at home, like Chicago. You know, that's a more attack-minded game, regardless of the Champions League is surrounded. Whereas Montreal, even in the middle of the summer, and if, even if the game was at Stab Saputo, like that's a game. If you get a point from it, you get a point from it and you're okay with it. Um, so I, that's the way building a big picture into a, a five game span instead of a three game span. I think that's the way I would look at it. Um, there aren't going to be many changes for Saturday for sure. The Chicago game, maybe a few, but, Again, you're still in that process of fresher legs. Um, but if the if especially if the Alianza tie ends up being um, a tougher than usual contest, then I think you'll see a little more rotation in Montreal just to be like, okay, we have the depth. Let's use it and not wear our guys down. So let's get into the Miami game. I know we're going to be going over our bets later in the week, uh, but just a little mm-hmm. bit of a match preview here as we get ready for another weekend of Union Soccer action. As you just mentioned, they are on the road against Miami. Um, what do you think of the matchup between the Union and Miami this week? It's going to be interesting because Miami is considered this, at least in my brain, I consider them going to be top five in the East. I think it's both Ohio teams, the Union, Miami, and then insert your other team here. I think that's kind of where I think the East lies. Miami made a lot of improvements um, last year. They've made some additions, but they're also dealing with a little bit of early injury issues. And I still will not forget the worst year, the uh, worst game of the year last year for the Union was against Miami. So, do I think the Union can beat Miami? Absolutely. Um, they've contained Joseph Martinez in the past. Um, Campagna, their other out-and-out striker, is now week-to-week with a calf injury. Um, that stinks <laughs> if you're in Miami. Um, they've got some good pieces. It's just you know, a lot of them are either new or there's a, a new kind of cohesion with them. Um but how much can you can you take from a 2-0 win over Montreal at home? Because I think Montreal is going to take a step back. Like I'm, I'm using this kind of as a essentially where I think these teams will lie. Like I expect Miami to beat Montreal. You know, if, if they were playing somebody tougher, I think then maybe you know it's a it's a, more of a statement, and the Union should be concerned. But in week two. Like I expected the Union and Miami to be up there in the East anyway. 
Uh, so I think it'll be like a, a nice, good early test, but having one of their top goal scorers out obviously gives the the union a little bit of an advantage. Yeah. Miami again, that win against Montreal union. Look, I still will not forget because that's the one game I went to as a fan. Obviously I worked most of the games and uh, who brutal. So anytime they play Miami, I just want a complete drubbing of this foolish squad that the union are better than. And uh, yeah, uh, any, any showing is better than that one. <laughs> uh, it, it really was. It stands out to me as one of the, the worst games of the year for the union last year. So uh, they obviously, I think they beat them on the road last year after that. And I think they will here. Uh, if you had to give any prediction, you don't have to give me exact score or anything. Cause again, we'll go over our bets, but uh, union get the win here or what do you expect in this game? Is a draw okay? I think that's yes, what I, is, is, okay. is that our first one? Is a draw yeah. okay? Here? <laughs> I feel like every time we have one yeah. of these games, it's like, is this is this draw fine? Is it good? A, a draw on the road the week the week before Champions League is fine. Fine, yeah. And look again, it, they all kind of build up in perspective of these results, right? So, winning four one at home, making the opening statement, and getting those adjustments, okay. It's business as usual. So now when you go on the road and, and you can make, you can, the union won't make it, but we will make the excuse. Okay. Well, if it's like a one, one draw or scoreless, which I think it probably ends up being, um, you can excuse it's champions league. And then if you get the champions league result, it's good. Come home, you have confidence, you beat Chicago, you advance in champions league. Like that's the kind of the map we're drawing out for these four games. And then I don't want to say you punt on a game in March, but you can punt on a game in Montreal and try new things. As long as you play, you play well against Miami champions league goes well and you pummel Chicago. Like that's, that's kind of the, the map we're drawing for, for March. And that's, and again, it becomes a little different if, say they lose two nothing and don't play well and are distracted by the, the specter of champions because then it's like, well, we should be concerned that champions league maybe affects the Chicago game. Maybe it affects the Montreal game. It goes into this, this spiral that MLS teams usually go into when they play in champions. League. So it's all of these results, I think have to be taken into perspective of, of what they mean. And in, in, in this context, a draw at Miami, perfectly fine. Um, and then go focus on Champions League. So we will probably be recording like day of that Champions League game if we're going to stick to this schedule. But just in case we don't, what can you tell me about the Union's opponent, if anything, uh, in Champions League? Yeah, we'll be, we'll be recording the day of or day or Monday. That's for sure. I have not done my my Allianz. Okay, I just yet. want to make sure. I didn't know if you <laughs> I didn't know if you were prepared yet for Allianz. So we'll do that. Uh, maybe we'll record a little bit early next week so we can make sure uh, that has its time because. Uh, Joe, it's one thing that I saw um, from Tom Bogert. Mm. He posted it, and you know, it's, I think it's obviously something on Union fans' minds. Like that, that again, that was a, another statement of the Union against Columbus Crew in the first game. Of this team can win everything. They all these trophies are in play. I know you talked about this in the season preview. I think of the Gambler we did it on Friday, and you talked about like, look, what is a successful season for them? Because they've been successful, but how many trophies do they really have to show for it? This is, this is a trophy making season. They have the ability to um, mm -hmm. your expectations, obviously MLS cup final, you know, taking that next step and winning it. But 
expectations for Champions League? Let's, we kind of get into it. Is to match the run they had two years ago. I mean, they set themselves, they set a high standard for themselves on the continental level. Like, that is, that, I think, genuinely the goal because of A, the way they, they played in Champions League, but also what they bring to the table. I mean, yeah, you, you have to think that a semifinal appearance is kind of the, the minimum at this point in Champions League. Can they go farther than that? Um, yes, they can. Okay. But they could be matched up with, with the Mexican team, Atlas, in the quarters. Um, at, look, the, the bottom half of the bracket, just looking at it, is, is easier because there's one Mexican team compared to three at the top. I mean, in terms of draws, I mean, you'd love to see LAFC or Vancouver in the uh in the semifinal probably lafc if you're a grudge holding union fan but um or just one in general but uh let's not get ahead of ourselves let's uh and the union will preach that just focus on the first result and then and build momentum (laughs) wow you want to just focus on one game at a time that's not what i want to do joe come on let's look ahead how how dare i use coach speak on you yeah how dare you joe how dare you jim curtain me right now uh, but yeah, it's just it's it's exciting because this team is really good. And uh, look, Champions League is is obviously difficult, but uh, I think with the window of opportunity we saw with MLS teams in the Concacaf Champions League recently, that mm-hmm. um, it certainly it certainly makes it kind of think that the uh, Union you know, could make a run here. Obviously, they made a run last year, but uh, I think with the way this team is this year, the depth that they have. Uh, it could be a, a lot of fun to see just how they compete. Again, maybe mm-hmm. not go very deep into this or, they, you know, like God forbid, end up like winning it. I'm not saying that, but the fact to just see them competitive on a stage like this against teams like you were just talking about, you know, that's ultimately we want to see trophies, but in this kind of league, I'm I'm just fine with, hey, the Union making another step, being competitive against really good squads. And mm-hmm. uh, I think just proof again of how good the Union are. All right, Joe. So kind of wrapping things up here. Any last week one thoughts as we head into week number two of the Union season? Yeah, I just wanted to reel off, I guess, some league-wide things. Amada, uh, Amada, 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 Amada. Yeah, I got Amada. Very oh good. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> just very good? Jesus. <laughs> Um, the, the only real takeaway I have is maybe the teams we thought were going to be good just are still their old selves. Um, I'm looking at you Toronto FC and I'm looking at you sporting Kansas city. There are a lot of, <laughs> there were a lot of preseason predictions for, for both of them. Um, Toronto's defense is still very bad. Uh, Kansas city looked very lackluster in Portland last night. Um, I don't even think lackluster is the way to put it. Good God. Yeah, they stunk. Um, I think that's it. I mean, there's not many too too many surprising score lines outside of the the St. Louis one we mentioned. I think Minnesota beating Dallas without Reynoso is a good one, but that kind of depends on how you rate Dallas this year. Um, I kind of I think they're just fine. I don't know if they're going to be elite in the West, um, but other than that, I don't see any like score lines that pop out like st louis is the only one that really really stands out like yeah you think yeah <laughs> that's it but like i i feel like we we hyped up toronto because okay bob bradley's gonna fix this thing and kansas city because oh they're gonna, they're healthier 
and Peter Vermees is going to fix this thing. Well, Toronto's defense still sucks. You can't give up three goals to DC United. Uh, Insigne got hurt. I think Toronto had the worst weekend of any team in MLS because of that. And Kansas City, I mean, they should have won that game in Portland. So um, that's probably my my best of my week one overreactions. Uh, but they may not be overreactions in a few months' time. Yeah, I'm not overreacting when I say Almada's just godly, dude. Good. <laughs> that, that's all I take away. I was even sending because I didn't know if you saw the goal because I know you were doing obviously mm-hmm. your post game duties. Uh, I have actual responsibilities post game. Yeah, your actual responsibilities. <laughs> and I'm sitting there just watching Almada just strike absolute missiles in the back of the net, and the goalkeeper for San Jose literally not standing a chance against it. Uh, and, and I think that was the that to me was the power of Apple TV. Everything streaming in one place. Union game got done. I start looking at MLS 360, this whip around show, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm treated to like all of this action late. And uh, you know, obviously the big one being again Almada with these two goals in stoppage time. Like that, that just hit home to me. Like man, this this Apple TV thing is going to be so much fun because it's all in one area. I could just stay there because you know it's the same thing like the NFL after an Eagles game whatever your team of choice is, you get done watching the game and you go, all right, I'm going straight to the red zone and seeing what's going on. And then you're at the end of witching hour and you know, you're seeing all these crazy things happening. Uh, it had that same feeling. Like I get done the union game and I'm like, all right, what's happening in MLS? Let me get caught up. And then bam, you're seeing all these crazy things at the, at the end. So uh, it was just, it was awesome. And I think uh, a good showing, not only of Almada, which Joe, um, can you give me an estimate of how much money that, that guy's gonna, that guy's gonna bring in? A lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I figured it was going to be more of just a, a generic unit like that instead of the actual money total. But yeah, a lot sounds about right. A crap ton. <laughs> yes. That's the unit of measurements I was looking for uh, in terms of money. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was just, it was great to see. And I think again, just great for Apple TV, but Joe, thank you um, obviously for doing everything you do at the union soccer blog.substack.com. And I know you just did, Uh, a little bit of a payment plan. So let everybody know about that uh, for the rest of the season, what you got going on. Yeah. So it'd be five a month or 40 for the year. Uh, I appreciate all the kind words that have come in. Um, The amount of hits on the articles from uh, after week one were uh, staggering for, for mine. I did not expect that much that quick. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone. First and foremost. Um, yeah, so look, the podcast will still be free. Um, match previews. Yeah, you can't and, put me behind a paywall. Just yeah, absolutely not. Why would we put John Jansen <laughs> behind a paywall? Um, <laughs> but the the stuff that you're paying for is the 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 heavy lifting that I have to do on my end. Uh, basically, instead of saying, "Here's what Jim Curtin said post game," we're going to dig into more of the whys and the hows of how, how these results happen, good or bad. Um, and by having it, it behind a paywall, it allows me to carve out other time or more time from other jobs that I have and actually sit here and, and break down the film and, and go through all the details. And more importantly, maybe later in the season, um, more on-site coverage for road games, which doesn't happen a lot on this Ooh, beat. So that good. that will be part of what you're paying for as well. Already kind of mapped out what what games are, are potentially doable in the summer and beyond. So um, 
Maybe not the West Coast ones, but definitely the Boo, the East, come on. The... <laughs> LA's not that hard to get to. Oh yeah. Um it isn't hard to get to. It's expensive to, to get there. Oh um, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what you're paying for. And uh, you know, spread the word. Um I don't have any specific goal in mind. I, I kind of was stunned by the amount of free um subscriptions everybody signed up for already. Um but yeah, I, I'm incredibly grateful for everyone that's um already signed up for it. I hope there's there's plenty more to come and uh the more subscriptions just means even better coverage. You know, I wrote in the little thing on the Substack earlier, I'm going to we're going to try and cover this thing like an NFL team. That's that's the goal. Um it, it's it has a chance to be covered super in depth like nobody else can. Um and that's the goal and uh Hope everyone's along for the ride because if uh, if week one's any indication, it's gonna be a fun season. Yeah, and just real quick, obviously no NFL comparisons, but you mentioned that um, the fact that they can get a couple stadiums over sixty thousand, Joe. Uh, how imp- is that impressive to you? Uh, what do, what do you make of that? Because to me, I see those numbers and I'm like, man, there's not many leagues that even in a season opener you mm-hmm. know, have a couple stadiums full of sixty thousand plus people. Um, that is obviously it's not sustainable through an entire season, but like the only league that ever averages things like that is the NFL. Like it is, it's really impressive. I thought, and you mentioned also the union, how loud it was uh, probably the loudest it's been for a season opener that you've covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it ended up being a pretty strong showing. I would say for the mm-hmm. sweep one. Yes. Um, personally, I think it's those numbers are best for MLS's PR staff and Absolutely. and the league because they can say hey look at this um but those not many also... leagues can do that not many leagues can ever tout things like that correct but not many leagues none le- except if you're Tottenham Hotspur um share the same stadium as as NFL teams so you can do it you can do it every week if you really want to Atlanta Atlanta can do it Seattle can do it you know, on, on a very high level consistently, but they have it's the great. capacity to do it. Yeah, it's great, get, but you I have the capacity, that. like if you have the capacity to do it, you should be able to do it. At and, least it's not like, yeah. uh, you know, the capacity of XFL in these stadiums and they get like 10,000. <laughs> like I don't talk, I don't, I don't talk about triple A football. Uh, is it even triple A? Yeah, I guess so. It might, yeah, might, might, might be double A. Yeah. Double a, yeah. <laughs> USFL is triple A. <laughs> But no, I just saw those numbers and it's uh it's pretty great. Cool. It, it, it it's it great, good. but it, it's more for a like an external thing. If you're ML, MLS's PR department, and I mean, look at all the social media traction traction it gets. Oh, absolutely. When you they, compare something and you say, "Hey, this is something that you know only the NFL can really average and stuff." Yeah, I've seen those numbers. It's like yeah, like cer- certain things that. pop more from yeah. a PR perspective in week one, and it's not the union scoring four goals. It's not the Sounders scoring four goals. Heck, it, it might just, not even be, you want hey, MLS to Thiago be, Almada to, goal. everybody like, wants to point at something, to go, hey, MLS is these big, big MLS. social channels. Exactly. You have to do something spectacular. So that's it. And that's, it's a good on everyone in Charlotte and Atlanta being in the stadium, no doubt. When does MLS ever get out of that stage of like, not, because it, I, I feel like yeah. it's, it's just people like, see, I told you MLS is growing and MLS is getting bigger. You know, it's, it's like, I guess when you get out of that stage, it's just, 
kind of appreciate it for what it is and it has a following um but like I'm, not not yeah. in that prove we got to prove ourselves over and over again mm-hmm. type of phase um so i've actually gone through this kind of thought process working on on just in, in the philadelphia market and i'll, I'll keep this kind of very, very I know, short because i was just ending the yeah. show and that just dawned yeah <laughs> um it i think we've reached a point at least in philadelphia with the union where the union are going to sell out every home game this year like the home the home opener was louder than i can remember any home opener that's in in late february so if if that's the case why do we need to continue to look for other people to pay attention to us like at what point do we revert that attention inward and say this is what we have it's awesome let's let's celebrate what it is within our soccer bubble and to hell with everyone else like i think you've we've come full circle on the pay attention to us you know four for four nonsense at least in philadelphia right like MLS as a whole is different because every market is different. But I think in our market, and it, okay, it's because the team's good, let's be honest, because the team is elite and they're very good at what they do. But I think we've reached that point where maybe two, three years ago, it was like, hey, pay attention to us, include us, because we're really good. You should finally respect us. We're not the laughing stock of Philadelphia sports. Whereas now I think there's a proven product, there's a proven fan base, and what any outlet or or radio host is going to say, four for four, all this kind of jargon that everyone hates. Who cares at this point? I I think if you're on the inside here, like like you you and i are and i have been for for a decade now i get it i know you want to be respected as much as the eagles but also let's respect what we have and what's been built organically here like i think there is more respect for the union and the fan base from outside and i think people realize oh hey if i go to chester i'm gonna have a damn good time but i think that's all like People have always said that from people I've talked about or, or talked with, but they're realizing now, oh, we can go there, have a good time, and it's good soccer too, and it's a lot of fun. And that's a credit to the, the union fan base. That has nothing to do with uh, any of these these four for four schmucks. Like you, got, <laughs> like, you guys built this organically within yourselves, and now people look at it as, oh, this is really cool. And Oh, yeah, it is. It's, it's yeah. a... I, I hate to say a trendy thing, but it certainly is like, hey, look at what the union is doing over there. That seems yeah, seems kind of so, cool. So and that's just me, you're right. Yeah. That's organically built. That's not from anything but the this fan base and you know sons of Ben. Yeah. A lot of credit to and all that of making making it what it is. So like to me, like I get why people would are are still offended by you know certain places doing four for four lines and all this stuff, but at the end of the day, I think. At least this is my perspective. Everyone's could be different, and I, I totally get if they are. But to me, is let's appreciate what we have. 
let's go all in on what we have. And if other people want to pay attention to us in the market, which over the past few years they have, then let's welcome them with open arms and not be a-holes to them. Be like, oh, well, you said four for four this, four for four that. Yeah, and I'll, I'll end with yeah. this. I, I'm, I can come at it like a wrestling fan because wrestling gets a lot of, you know, a lot of people that downplay it. Um, especially like if I say, oh, I love wrestling. Like, well, you know, it's fake, right? Like, yeah, of course I know it's fake. You know, it's like the same people going, well, you know, do you know that the union, you know, they're not one of the major sports or like it's, it's MLS. It isn't, you know, like the best soccer in the world. Like I, I get what MLS is. I understand it. It's fun. Like I, you can still have fun with it. And yeah, there are going to be people that, that, that just go on those very surface level things and very just easy to say things like the same thing with WWE, you know, it's fake. But who cares what they say, man? Those people are never going to to agree that the union have become bigger or they're never going to come on board. Just who cares about those people? You know, it's, right. I've, I've had to make that piece about wrestling because I feel like I've had to defend it or like defend myself watching. But after a while, it's like, I don't even care, man. I know it's fake. I still love it. It's the best. You know, soccer with, with the union, you know, yeah, I know it's not the Eagles or I know it's not the English Premier League, but it's a lot of fun. And man, look at what those games look like at Subaru Park. And you know what? I think it's fun soccer to watch. Do I think mm-hmm. it's the best? No, but I think it's fun. You can't tell me that that wasn't fun watching that Saturday slate and the union and all the other soccer in MLS. Like it was a ton of fun. So there are people that just are never going to see uh, eye to eye with with what we do. But you know, I just at this point just leave those people be, man. Because if they don't want to have fun with it, whatever, fine. Correct. And I think that to to kind of wrap up the we got just gotten a really deep discussion. I know we it. did. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to happen a lot this year, folks. <laughs> but like, this is what, this is what happens when you don't allow us on radio. Um, we just, <laughs> we save all our thoughts. Yeah, to you the don't podcast. limit us to 30 minutes. So we're going to go for like an hour, and 30 minutes. <laughs> hour, and 30 minutes. Yeah. No, I actually did think Saturday night coming home from the stadium. I'm like, well, everything I just said in the post game is just going into words on the internet. So I guess you guys benefit from that now because Instead of you having to click a podcast link and, and listen to it, you can you Get can it however you want, it. baby. Yeah, yeah. read um, it, listen to it. MLS is its own unique league. It is. It's dumb. It's stupid. Yes, I love it's, that. I love embracing that part of it, though. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's its own unique league, and people are still out here on the internet streets saying. Well, it's not the Premier League. Yeah, well, no, duh, it's not the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> Can we curse on this it, podcast? It may... I don't know if we... Because that's one that really just deserves a no shit. Like, yeah. I know it's not. And, and it's, it's like, still fun and in its, its like, own way. It's like, no, duh, it's not, like, the, one of the big five leagues. And it's not, like, the league your favorite European team plays in. It doesn't have to be that. MLS, MLS is not trying to be the Premier League. They're trying to be MLS. Now, they have a bunch of, of stupid rules and ridiculousness that comes along with it. Yes, but that's also what makes it unique and, and kind of its own dumb, stupid, unique league. I've said that many times on Twitter. I'm like, I, I love this dumb, stupid, unique. Um, yes. I've probably I've probably used multiple curse words. Crazy league. And it's I, that's, I had and, that yeah. feeling Saturday. I even tweeted that. Yeah. I'm like, what a dumb league! Like, this is so much yes. fun. <laughs> but if you but if it's you amazing. if you embrace the the dumbness of this league, it makes it a lot more fun instead of having like your buddy who's an Arsenal fan who just goes to like whatever local watering hole to watch Arsenal and doesn't care about the union. Who cares about that guy? Who cares? Who cares about the, the, the four for four? I have Eagles, Philly, Sixers, Flyers in my, in my Twitter avatar. Like who cares about those guys? Like what you like, 
enjoy what you like, say to hell with them, and enjoy what's in front of you because it's really good. It's really fun. Some of it's really stupid. It makes no sense. Yes. But damn it, we're going to enjoy the hell out of it. I think that's a great way to end the podcast. And then what you do after that is download your favorite podcast, the Union Soccer Podcast, and listen to us talk about your favorite team and be passionate. (laughs) All right, but that is it for the Union Soccer Podcast. Again, that's Joe Tanzi at jtanzi90. Again, unionsoccerblog.substack.com. My name is John Jansen. Follow me at jjansen34. We'll be back next week with more Philadelphia Union Soccer Podcast right here on the Union Soccer Blog.